All right. Hey, go ahead and grab your worship guide. Grab your note sheet out. Take some notes today. Some of you are not note takers. That's cool. You can take some notes anyway. It'd be a good day to start. If you're a digital note taker, you can download that on the app. If you're watching at Church Online, there's a button right there for your notes as well. I'm excited about today's message. I want to warn you ahead of time. It's practical stuff. It gets us where we are. So I just want to present it to you uh, so you know ahead of time what we're getting into today. This series called Satisfied, the whole idea is learning satisfaction. It's how do we walk out life God's way and experience it the way God wants us to experience it. See, the problem is we follow culture's way, the way the world serves what it thinks we should be having for dinner in the way that we live our life. And the problem is that all of us are still living in a very dissatisfied way. We do everything the world tells us to do that we think should make us satisfied, yet we still feel dissatisfied in our life. And so this entire series, if you've missed a week, is all available on any podcast platform, on the church app, church website. You can go back and watch any of that. In week one, we talked about can't get no satisfaction and some of the core reasons in why we struggle finding satisfaction in life. Last week, we talked about some of the practical things that we must start to do in order to get there. Today, uh, I titled your message, Money Lies. All right, and I feel like smoking the bandit today. I got a long way to go and a short time to get there. So I'm gonna throw a lot of things at you today. Money Lies, we're gonna talk about money today. Now, some of you are uncomfortable already. Myrtle, get your purse. It's a church, they're talking about money. They're gonna want something from me today. Hear me up front, so this is not a barrier to you. I, we don't want anything from you, okay? So if you're a guest today, you don't have to have a purse, a wallet, any digital payment, nothing. So breathe easy, all right? Uh, at the end of our day, like we do every week, regardless of what we talk about, we'll have a moment of giving for those of us who are involved in Cultivate Church. We do that every week. It's normal, but nothing extra on top of this day. But we are talking about money. Why? Because Jesus talked about money. He talked about it a whole lot. Uh, we're talking about money because three out of five people wake up in the middle of the night stressed about money. We're talking about money because money is the only thing in the world that is universal. In any culture, in any country, in any place you go that deals, they all have a resource in which they exchange for goods. Everybody understands culturally money. We understand money because it's the only thing that will make you get up early tomorrow morning. Go to a place you don't want to be. Do something you don't want to do. Surrounded by people that you don't want to be with. And we'll spend extra hours doing it so that you get a little what? Money. If they told you tomorrow, you're so valuable to this company, I love everything you do, I want you to continue doing it, we'd love for you to do it more, but we can't pay you anymore, but we want you to stay. Nobody in here would stay. Why? Because money has power. And our culture and our world runs on the thought process of money. But this series is all about finding satisfaction. Because, see, there are people who have found money and yet, has still not found satisfaction. Some of us are starving on the money that you wish you would have made 10 years ago. If I could only make that much money, ooh, I would be rich, living large, and you're making it now, and you can't make ends meet because it does not satisfy. The principle is this. Out of John chapter 4, verses 13 and 14, the top of your outline, Jesus is sitting at a physical well talking to a woman. They're drawing physical water out of this well, and Jesus has a strange conversation with this woman. And Jesus tells her, anyone who drinks this water 
will soon become thirsty again. The water, physical water in this well. But those who drink of the water that I give will never be thirsty again. Here's what Jesus was saying. This woman is confused. She doesn't know that he's the son of God sitting there. She doesn't have all the understanding of what he's talking about until it begins to process in her brain. And suddenly a light bulb goes off. And I hope it does for us. Here's what he's saying. You can go and do it the world's way. And you can draw from the world's well. You can get all the money. You can get all the nice cars. You can have the nice home. You can have the right logos. You can have the right stuff. But if you do it the world's way, you will always be dissatisfied. But when you come to me, and you see the way I do it, and the way that I designed it, and the way that I intended for it to be done, you will never thirst again. Why? Because you will be satisfied. So today, I want to present three lies about money. Why? Because it's relevant to all of our lives. The Bible says that the borrower is slave to the lender. And many of us are living as slaves, and God intended us to live a life abundant. He intended us to live a life of freedom. And how do we get there? We do it his way. So three lies that culture is telling us about money, and then the three truths about what money is for and why God gave it to us and what we should do with it. Are you ready for it? Get all the barriers out of your brain. Let's just soak up what God's Word says today. You ready? Father, I love you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for your Word that challenges us. It changes us. God, I pray that we're motivated to be more like you. God, thank you that your Word is practical. I pray that you reach down where all of us are living today. God, I pray that we are convicted by what we hear so that we move closer to who you are, doing what you've called us to do and living a satisfied life. In Jesus' name, amen. So number one, lie about money. Write this down. Is You need to know the first lie is that it's mine. It's mine. Every one of us thinks, I worked for it, I earned it, it's mine, I'll do what I want to with it, don't tell me about it, I don't want no Dave Ramsey stuff, come on, I'm worth it, I'm worth that new car, baby, I'm worth that new outfit, I know I ain't got no money, but I still need it anyway, why? Because Instagram said I'm worth it, the TikTok was ticking and said I'm worth it, it's mine, but that is not what the Bible says, is it? Look at it with me. The Bible says, Oh, our God, we thank you. We praise your glorious name. There's a lot of focus on him right here. But who am I and who are my people that we could give anything to you? You see, everything we have comes from you. Somebody ought to underline that in your notes. That's a principle of God right there. Everything I have, it comes from you. And we can only give you what you first have give to us. See, some of us think, well, I go to work. So I put in the hours. I dug the ditch. I dealt with the people. I earned the dollar. So where does God come into play in this? You see, that job actually may be your source, but God is the supply. In other words, God may have been using that job, using that opportunity to bless you with what you need, but the problem is that that job may dry up. That job may go away. Some of us get real confident in what we can do until we can no longer do it, and suddenly we need God to do what we could once do on our own. The reality is this, 
is that God is always the one that is the supply. He supplies your health to be able to do it. He supplies the opportunity that is there. He supplies the favor in which it took in order for you to get that job. It is not yours. Every resource you have, when you understand that it belongs to him, you will treat it a little bit differently. You see, it's like this. A few weeks ago, the book fair came to the elementary schools in the Alabaster City school system. Some of you may have sent your kids. My son comes in. Dad, book fair's coming. And they're slick, man, at the school. They've already given them kids a little heads up on the books that are going to be there. He'd already picked out his book before the book fair had even come for him to shop. He picked out his books. He says, I need, I need some money. And I says, well, all right, buddy, you want a dollar? Oh, I need more than a dollar, Dad. <laughs> How much you need? About 20. I need about $20. And uh, he said, you know, Dad, I was thinking... He said, I picked out these books. He goes, how much those cost? He said, and he said, Dad, and they said there's a little toy table where it's a little less expensive. He's already thinking through. And he says, Dad, if I have some left over, I'm going to buy you a book. To which I thought, you're not buying me nothing. You're asking me for money so that you can go shop. Son, you may be the, the source of bringing the book home. But I am the supply that gave you what you needed to bring the book back to me. And if I'm honest, his mama gave him the $20. So his mama would be the source. See, we treat God the same way. God is this new car. Boy, I'd be so happy. I tell everybody, you blessed me with this new ride. God, if you just get on board and give me the money that I need in order to get this. See, some of us, we got, we've got a little bit. We think it's mine, so we choose what we want to do with it. God, I'll be generous one day. God, I'll tithe and give one day. God, I will one day. But right now, i got all this debt. God, how do you expect me to do something? Well, the problem is that all along, you thought it was yours. I thought it was mine, and I treated it poorly. I mishandled it. But when I realized that it's God's, I don't want to mess that up. You don't want to get to the gates and God go, hey, now, you remember that 20 I gave you? I told you not to spend it on candy and ice cream, and what'd you do? You came home with a bellyache. You know what I'm saying? When you realize it's not yours and it's God's, you look at it a little bit differently. That's a lie about money. Number two, the culture would tell us, hey, it's the key to happiness. The more you get, the more you have, the happier that you are. But the Bible says a man's gift makes room for him and brings him before the great. It's his gift that makes room. It's his gift that opens opportunity. It's his gift. It's not what he has. It's not what he acquired. No, it was his gift that he gave, taking what he had and being a blessing. That's what opens the doors. That's what finds happiness in your life. It's not about what you can get. You look at people and do a study of people who are rich, the billionaires, the one percenters, and most of them are miserable. As a matter of fact, the Disney heiress, Abigail Disney, she said, billionaires are mostly the most miserable people you'll meet. Go look her up and look at some of the quotes she's given about being rich. She said, the more rich you become, she said, the less and less contentment that you actually have. And what, that's what we see is that everything that you acquire that you think is going to make you happy. See, culture says, hey, you go to school, you get good grades so that you can do what? Go to college. You get into good college, you make good grades so you can get what? 
a good job. And you get a good job so that you can make what? Good money. And if you have good money, then you can buy a good house and a good car and you can have a good family and a good life and good retirements and good vacations and all the good stuff you want. However, everybody in our culture is living this American dream and everybody is dissatisfied. Marriages are failing. People are addicted. People are committing suicide. People are down. People are out. Our, um, our, our people who are in uh, recovery, our people who are in counseling, our people who are living without hope is growing every single day and everybody is living this American dream. It does not provide happiness. In the study of human nature, just studying people, they've narrowed it down to four things that most people who seem to have found contentment, some satisfaction in life, what they have gained in life. And the four elements that they find, maybe you want to write this down to see how well you're doing in these. The first is a healthy family. Their family unit, it's healthy. See, most of us are working hard, and some of us are using the, the disguise of work and gaining and doing and providing as a way to get away from our family. The way not to deal with the problems in our marriages. For not to have to raise our kids. See, we're doing all of these things often in disguise, but our families are suffering and we're depressed and we're not satisfied. The family unit, they say, is number one. The second thing they say is meaningful work. Everybody must work. The Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. The Bible says it, it's a principle. None of this handout stuff, none of this, what's the government gonna give me? No, who can, no, you don't work, you don't eat. It's a biblical principle. It takes us all doing our part in order to get. But it's meaningful work. In other words, it's purpose. It's living life on purpose. It's meaning in what you do every single day. Why you are where you are. Why you do what you do. Why you're with the people that you're with every single day. Meaningful work. Number three, they say actual friendships. Real community. Not your Snapchat and your TikTok and your Instagram and all of your fake followers and all the stuff you paid for. Come on, you know what I'm saying? You pay for those clicks. You follow 1,000 to get 10 people following you. Then you unfollow those people, you know, so that your account's up. Come on, we all know how it works. Some of you don't. It'd set you free if you really knew how they got those followers. You need real community in your life. It makes a difference. And the fourth thing they say is faith is an authentic relationship. With Jesus, bigger than you are, bigger than I am, something that is greater than my existence on this planet. Let me tell you something. It is not the key to happiness. Number three, here's a lie, is that it's the root of all evil. Now, we've misquoted this often in the church world. You've been to church and heard people preach down on money. You had money. You got some money and you felt bad because you got money in the bank and money in your pocket. That's not the point. Here's the point. For the love, underline the word love. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Money only magnifies your motives. That's what money does. You can get around some people with or without money and they will talk about wanting money so they can acquire and get a whole lot of things. And then you can get around somebody else who has or does not have money and they will talk about wanting to be a blessing and wanting to do good and wanting to help kids in Juarez, Mexico with Ethan and Lindsay and build those orphanages and feed those kids and clothe people and serve people with all the resources that they've got. Money is not the root of evil. The love of money because it's lustful. You ever heard that lust is a sin? We think that's about sex. We think that's about seeing something and oogling and ogling it until we get it. Lust is anything that you lock your attention on. 
that overtakes your thoughts and your feelings and your emotions and your drive to no matter what you have to do in order to get it. Some of us are lustful about everything we see. Every outfit, every car, every house, every new gadget, every new thing. And it is driving our life, trying to feed this hunger and desire that we have let take root in our life. But we will always be dissatisfied because as long as we draw from that well, You can drink it all day long, and you will still be thirsty. But when you do it God's way, you will never thirst again. So how do we do it? Let's get some biblical principles. Flip your outline over, and let's talk about the truth about money. Number one, you need to understand this, is that it is a great tool. Money is a great tool. Now, you can do things without tools, but, man, it changes the game when you get the right tool. For the right job. It speeds things up. It makes it more efficient. It is easier to get it done. That's what God's view of money actually is. In Acts chapter 2, at the very beginning of church as we know it. See, church as we sit here today is a result of people following Jesus and then doing what Jesus said to do in building the church. And this is the very beginning of that. And here's what people did. It says, a deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place. They shared everything they had. They sold their property. Why? For money, for resources. And they sold their possessions. Why? For resources and money. And then they shared that money with those in need. You see, there was a focus, there was an intent, there was a purpose. See, the Bible does not say that they all became homeless and they were all naked on the floor. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible just says that the intent and the purpose of their life and everything they had was treated as not my own, but it is a resource from God given back to God to make a difference in the world that around me. See, they had the purpose of building the church, and through the church, they were building eternity. How many of us? Would it change our life if we woke up tomorrow and said, you know what? Every dime that I have is a tool. How am I using this tool? Sure, maybe you could use a hammer to nail in a screw, but it would be much easier for you to use a drill, wouldn't it? See, some of us, we've got the tools, but we're using it in the wrong way. See, there's two primary things the Bible teaches us about why we even have money. Write this down. These are extra. The first is to take care of your family. That's the, that's the number one reason that the Bible says that we have money. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. You can write that down. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 10 through 12. You can go back and read it later. See, the resource that you've been given, it's so that you can take care of your family. Second is to invest in eternity. That's another reason that we have money. You can write this down. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 and 8. One of the reasons that you've been given money is to build eternity. Everything we do takes resource. Everything that happens, even in the world of the church, it takes resource. We live in this world and we live by the function of this world. And it takes resources in order to do it. So that's why when the church collectively came together early on and they shared everything they have, we're sitting here today as a result of the generosity and the obedience of what they used with what they had. They understood that money was a tool. Both of these purposes partner together to make a difference. The purpose of our families and the purpose of the church. 
And so this is what we do around here. Here's what we believe in. We believe in honoring God with the tools that we've been given in the way God tells us to do it. And I'm going to tell you what they are. Number one, God says that we should tithe. Now, that's 10% of our income, and we tithe to the church. If you're sitting in this church and you don't feel like you could tithe to this church, you're in the wrong church, okay? You need to be a part of a church that you trust what they do and you feel like you can give and contribute to that church. Here, we take it very serious. We don't, we don't, take, we don't take it lightly that we all give and we all contribute. We have a third-party accounting firm that, that uh, audits every dime that flows through this church. I don't write checks. I don't cash checks. I don't go to the bank. I don't even know the code to the safe. Somebody asked me the code for the safe the other day to put some money in us. I don't know. You've got to ask somebody else. I don't know. Okay, because I don't want to know because there's too much of that nonsense, funny business happens in churches. Okay, but I tithe here personally because I believe in the mission of this church and what happens. You need to be somewhere that you can do that. And then you need to be able to give. You need to be generous. You need to be able to go out and be generous. The tithe already belongs to God. See, it's already his. So if I go buy him a book, I didn't buy him the book. He already gave me the money to get him the book. Okay, but the money that I made that I give on top of that, that's my generosity. That's my giving. Okay, that's the principle of God. So some people, let me just tell you, because you've been burned in church, you've 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 heard too many, you've watched too much TV church. Okay, you saw you've seen too much stuff. All right. So let me tell you what we do around here, because we want you to trust God. We do it. We do a tithe challenge. Where if you really say, all right, I really want to, I want to test God. I want to, I want to, I want to trust him. I want to try him. But, but I want to know if I, can, if I can really trust the process. We, we do what we call a tithe challenge. Where you say, hey, I'm going to give. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to test this out. But after 90 days, if it don't work, if you lied to me, I want my money back. We'll do that. You know that? Because it's not about us getting the money. It's about you experiencing something with God. So you can say, hey, I want to tithe, and I want to give, and I want to check this out. But if it, after three months, if it doesn't work, and God's not who he says he is and does what he says he can do with it, then I want it back. Cool. We'll do that. Why? Because we want you to trust God. Let me ask you this question. What miracle in this world is waiting on your financial obedience? What miracle in this world that could be shaped by the generosity of just taking what belongs to God and giving it back to him could happen with my financial obedience? Think about that. When we all understand that what we have is simply a tool. Now, some of you are going, well, Pastor, you don't know, my tools are broken, okay? Because we're, you know, our, our finances. But let me tell you this. Number two, here's why we need to understand, is that our finances, it's a big responsibility. Money's a big responsibility. We don't treat it like it is, but money's a big responsibility. Listen to this. To those who underline this statement, use well what they are given. It's in your notes. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. Now, listen, this is not me. This is not a shakedown. This is not, you know, you, you know, like we're all going to get rich quick scheme situation here. No. Let me just, this is what the Bible says. If we use well what we're given, they will have an abundance. Now, the problem is we dissect the word abundance in the lens of culture. And so you can't, you can't take abundance in the view of the world. you got to take an abundance with what God has given to you and the way God is blessing you. Let me tell you what, I'm not a rich man financially, but my family loves me. I love my church. I am healthy. I'm the richest man you're looking at. I wouldn't trade any of it for an extra dime in my bank account. I have abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have, it will be taken away. Look, we, we have a problem. We spend, listen, this is crazy. We spend 700% more time watching TV in our culture than we do managing our finances. That's why we're all in debt. That's why it's all spun out of control. 
See, it's really a tool and we're using it the wrong way. And the problem is we've mishandled the responsibility that we've been given. When somebody asks me, hey, do you want to hold my newborn baby? My answer is always this. I'm going to say it collectively. No, I do not want to hold your newborn baby. Your baby's beautiful. But let me tell you, the last thing I want to do is make a new mama mad. You know what I'm saying? You've not seen. She don't care. If you mess up that baby, you're going to be in trouble. The only newborn baby I've ever held is my own. And I was kind of reluctant on that one. Okay? <laughs> he was already, he started out kind of as a lemon. All right? Some of you know the story. So I didn't need to make it worse. You know what I'm saying? The reason is, is because I understand the responsibility that's being placed in my arms of something that does not belong to me. Therefore, when I understand the responsibility of what God places in my arms of that money and that resource, even though it may come from that job or that worldly source, let me tell you, it is a great responsibility that belongs to God, and I want to honor, and I want to treat it well. You treat it like a great responsibility. Here's some things that will help you. These are extra. And this is mind-blowing right here. This is, good. This is going to rock all of your minds. This is how you get there. Spend less than you make. Mind-blowing. Some people say, well, Pastor, I, I would love to do that. But those sports channels are very expensive, and I cannot miss the game. Well, there are no sports channels in heaven, all right? Yeah. I'm just saying. Spend less than you make. Whatever that means, whatever that looks like, just spend less than you make. Get some things gone that you don't need in your life. Number two, set a budget. You know what a budget is? It means I have $100, and it needs to pay for everything in my life. And for what it can't pay for, needs to go until I have $200, and then I can. It's a budget. Most of us don't practice a budget. You know why? Because we believe we're worth it. I'm worth it. You know what? I worked hard today. Sure, I don't have the money, but I got that easy pay for easy payments. <laughs> Interest-free. You know what I'm saying? We're going to stretch it. We're going to make it. We're going to work it because we're worth it. You know what you're worth? <laughs> You're worth a peace of mind. You're worth going to bed at night and that outfit that you bought that looked really good online that did not fit right in person. This is not what it looked like on that girl. And then you thought you're the problem. You ain't the problem. It was made in some shop somewhere in less than best conditions. They ain't, I don't care what logo's on it. There wasn't a lot of time and energy and effort put into it. And then it made you feel bad about yourself. Now you're in debt and you're feeling bad about yourself. And you can't take it back. All right? Set a budget. Save money. I don't care if it's a quarter a month. You start where you can. Somebody says, I can't save. I haven't. You got something to save. Get rid of something. Stop going to the gas station. Listen, you are, you are spending a fortune in that gas station. Stop it. Stop it. You don't need McDonald's three times a day. It ain't healthy, and it's expensive. Just save one of those stops and save it. It's a principle. Because, see, when you start practicing a principle, it becomes commonplace in your life. Save some money. And then get out of debt as fast as you can. As fast as you can can. Culture is not what it says. Culture says you deserve it, you need it, you got it, you go do it. Let me tell you, I'm not telling you this because of anything great in me. I'm not telling you this because I've ever made a lot of money in my life. I'm telling you this because I can, if, if I can do it, anybody can do it. I can prove it can be done. I live a debt-free life. I have a mortgage payment. It's the only debt I owe in my life. 
Everything could burn to the ground tomorrow and I would owe nothing but a house and I can sell that house. Now, my car blew up last week. It don't run. The man at the, at the mechanic shop said, man, I wouldn't touch it. He said, I wouldn't put a dime in it. I said, well, what do you suggest I do? He said, man, I just go buy a new car. I said, have you priced a new car? <laughs> he said, man, I know it's expensive right now. He said, well, maybe go buy you a used one. I said, okay. So I'm going to go spend 20 grand plus for a car with the same mileage and the same potential problems as I've got right now. And he looked puzzled at me. And I said, sir, I said, I'm no mechanic. I said, but I can tell you this. Those two options are not options. We're going to fix this car. You know why? Because it, it hit me. I said, well, maybe, I, maybe it's time. You know, maybe, maybe you need to. Maybe you just need to search it. Maybe you need to look for it. Maybe you need, and you know what I said? It is not worth it. I'm going to live debt-free. It's not worth it to me. Now, I'm not saying you can't. You can't go get it. You can't have it. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying you make decisions in your life to take what you've been given. And it's up to you to know that you're honoring God with what you have. Number three and last, you need to know this about money. It's a poor counterfeit. I'm not going to read it all, but I want you to look down at the last verse with me. Verse 23. When your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep is that darkness? The word will tell you that this is everything you need. The world tells you is that everything you can gain is what satisfies. Look, I hope you're rich. I hope you get it all. I hope we all do. I hope we get everything we desire to have. And there's nothing wrong with it. But you know what I hope? That every one of us are more generous with what we give than what we get. I hope that everything we have and everything we do honors God. And I hope that through doing it God's way, we find some satisfaction. Now, I know this is a different message today because this isn't like, you know. But let me tell you what it does. It sets us free when we begin doing it his way. And so I encourage you to fall in love with Jesus and just learn what God says about life, doing it his way. And I promise you, you'll find satisfaction in the life that you're living. Don't do it in the physical way of the world. You do it the spiritual way that God's instructed us to do it. It changes everything. Will you bow your head, close your eyes with me? I want to pray for us today. And look, there's two things on my heart today, and, and I'll say this. If you're here for the first time, nothing funny or weird is going to happen. Nobody's coming to get you, make you move or anything like that. I'm just going to pray for us. If you're watching online, I just wherever you are, if you can, just eliminate distraction and let this be a moment between you and the Lord. Number one, if you're in this place and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, look, that's where you've got to start. You can, you can search and you can do and you can live these principles. And it will increase your quality of life here. But it won't change your eternity. See, Jesus sitting at that well said, hey, I'm the, I'm the one. Like we talked about last week, I'm the secret sauce. Well, today if you don't know Jesus, don't leave without saying yes to him. It changes everything. And then if you're here today, and I would say this is probably most of us. We're struggling in some of these areas because this is commonplace. This is the everyday life stuff. But even in the common everyday, God's got a way to do it. God's principles matter. They make a difference. And I'm just inviting you today to make a decision to live your life God's way. It's the only way you're going to walk in satisfaction. Last month, we talked about dealing with the difficulties of life, good suffering. But you can get through those seasons if you're satisfied.
this is the key to satisfaction. So Jesus, today for any of us in here online, without a relationship with you, we just pray right now that today would be our day. Forgive us of any sin in our life. We confess it. We've messed it up. We've done it our way. But Jesus, we choose to put you first, to receive your forgiveness, and we choose to submit ourselves to you. Thank you for loving us, and thank you for relationship. And Jesus, I pray for all of us in here today that practically these are areas that we struggle in. It's impacting our relationships, our marriages, our peace of mind. We can't get sleep because we're worried about it. But we're chasing the wrong thing. We're doing it the wrong way. God, help us to align our life to yours. Don't believe the money lies. Jesus, we want to do it your way. Help us to submit ourselves to you, to honor you in everything that we do so that ultimately I live my life on purpose and I make heaven a bigger place. Jesus, thank you for speaking to us and for helping us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on. Can we honor the Lord together? Come on, he's good.